1: You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show.
2: All right, welcome to a special edition of the Cheap Seats. We're broadcasting from Pyongyang, <laughs> Korea.
1: Oh, I thought China. As we, uh,
2: <laughs> is that what it is? This is Pyongyang, Pyeongchang. Bless it's not you. Pyongyang. Bless you. I don't know. So you guys been watching the, the Olympics? A little bit, yeah. Last
1: night bit. I watched the uh, ice skating.
2: How about you, B?
3: Yeah, I officially fell down one of the curling rabbit hole <laughs> sessions of all time, Listen, which I, I just don't understand. I'm,
2: I, I'm glad that you said that because I have a new mission in life. What's that? You and me and Trent, I don't know who the alternate's going to be, and surely one of us is – Demonstrably worse than the other two. But the three of us need to start preparing now for the 2026 Winter Olympics in curling. Mm -hmm. Are you guys down? Sure. I can do this.
1: I have no doubt. See, that was my best sport on the Wii Olympics. So I'm down.
2: Oh, why didn't you say? I'm sorry. So basically, you're going to be captain of the team. And you need to choose from either Brandon or I as we begin our curling training. so okay. it's Trent's job sure. to say,
3: clean it, clean it, clean <laughs> scrub, it. Scrub,
2: scrub, scrub. I'm not going to lie, guys. I am mesmerized by it. And I feel cheated when I watch the the recap where it's just like one shot after the other. I like to actually see the dialogue and the strategies that's played into it. I'm, I'm captivated by curling.
3: I think the only thing that would make it better is if they trash talked each well,
2: that's the thing that I was thinking as Like I'm get watching. your stone <laughs> out of here. <laughs> well did you see the Chinese team try to cheat this uh, weekend? No. Did you see it, Trey? No. Oh, so they're playing, I think it was the Finns, and at the at the as they're like tallying stuff up, the Chinese guy kicks one of the stones out of the circle. <laughs> and the Finnish team is like, what 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 just happened? And they asked the crowd, because, you know, it's a self-scoring thing. They regulate it themselves, so there's not curling judges floating back and forth. And they asked the crowd, and the crowd was like, yeah, 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 yeah. He
3: kicked that stone out of there. And, of course, uh, you know, what what did I do? It was funny. Well, you know, curling is like one of those sports, like, I wish I was there when the first person did it. Like, what were you thinking? How many other things did you try? It's like, I guess— Marijuana, in a way, how many things did you try to smoke before that actually worked out for you? Listen, Ah. the thing with
2: curling, where did that come from? Here's my thing with curling is that we see it once a year or once every four years on the Olympics. But I'm certain that curling, as it exists other places where they actually curl, I'm sure there's a lot of beer involved. Right. It seems unbelievable to me. That anybody would get out there and do that, and there's not a cold beer involved. It's sort of the winter equivalent to bowling. And whoever bowls without drinking beer? Nobody. Mm -mm. So I think it's sort of that. And I can bowl a little bit, but I'm certain that I can slide one of those stones.
4: And if you think about it,
2: probably the best shuffleboard players in the world are probably older people. And when did they start playing shuffleboard? After they got old. I don't think there's any kids' camps this summer for my daughters to go to shuffleboard camp.
3: So do you think that uh, alcohol inspired most sports that we play today? Mm, if or, they didn't
2: inspire them, then they took over later.
3: They enhanced them?
2: Yeah. But,
3: I mean, think about
2: it. This is, this is you know, the winter equivalent to horseshoes or shuffleboard or bocce ball. I, I mean, I, we've been watching it forever, and it's one of those things that we forget is a thing. Until the Winter Olympics roll around. Now, the fact that it's in the Winter Olympics is cool. The fact that you actually called it a sport, I have a little bit of trouble with, maybe. <laughs> okay. Here's the deal. There are 3,000 athletes at the Winter Olympics this, this cycle. If you do the math, that's like one out of every two and a half million people on the planet. Most of those 3,000 people that are there at the Winter Olympics as, as competitors are superior they're True. the top zero, 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 0000001 athletically of the entire population. I feel like I could roll out of bed with three weeks of training <laughs> and curl at the Olympics. Anybody dispute that? You just insulted a whole Ooh. segment
3: of sports.
2: Well, I guess we won't be having any curlers on here as guests. <laughs> Well, curling, I don't think anybody not, out there's gonna be disappointed. Not if now. If you are, please let us know. And I'm not I'm not taking away from what these folks do. It's cool.
3: I've been curling for years. 12-ounce curls. Hey. Boom. It Every started weekend. in
1: the 16th century in Scotland. In the
2: and, 16th century in Scotland.
1: Yes. See, the Scots come up with cool stuff. Because of drinking. The, boom. And the winters were long, and they wanted to do something, so they drained a pond had a thin sheet of ice, found some river rocks that were flat. That was the birth of curling. And
2: then after the weather warmed back up, they just turned it back into a water hazard out on the golf course. Yep. Boom. Drinking. It's amazing. Drinking game. The Scots are cool like that. Yeah. So that means that – well, whoa, wait a minute now. So if they're Scots, you see how low these people get to the ground and they slide across it doing this sort of quasi-split. Yep. I'm not sure I'd be down to do that on the ice wearing a kilt.
1: Well, that's the first thing at break. Once we start training, oh. we're going to have to start working on our flexibility, doing some stretching.
3: Okay. How long before um, <laughs> greased watermelon retrieving out of the deep end is an actual <laughs> Olympic sport? I don't know, but it is going to
2: be a sport here for us in Lee <coughs> County. Yeah, and not... I've been thinking a lot about this as to how it's going to happen. And no, I'm not going to train for it, but I am going to dive to the bottom of a pool and retrieve a greased watermelon that's going to happen not until the weather warms up a little bit but it is going to happen
1: and i've been thinking all week what we're going to grease that watermelon with and i think i've uh decided on petroleum jelly
2: sounds good to me yep sounds good to me now we just need to find a facility that has a pool that's okay with us putting petroleum jelly into their pool and screwing up the chemical balance
3: (laughs) yeah the ph the ph is going to be way off yeah if you've got a 12 foot
2: if you've got a 12 foot deep end at your house Get up with us, because I'll come to your house to do this. We'll bring camera crew and everything else out, it'll be great. Or I'll die, and you'll have good YouTube
3: fodder. I don't of know. all the things have written on your tombstone, <laughs> he tried to retrieve a water, a greased watermelon out of 12 foot of water. How, how long is
2: it going to be before when people pass away, we have hashtags
3: on their Aww. gravestone? Hashtag like, hold up! What happened to this cat QR code? Beep.
1: <laughs>
3: QR codes.
2: Oh man. No, but I want my tag, I want my tombstone to be like hashtag. No watermelon too big. I don't know, man. I just,
3: something. <laughs> Except wrong. for this one.
2: This one was too big. But here's here's the real question, though. With all of these <clears throat> superior athletes that are at the Winter Olympics, and then you have the curlers, with any amount of training at all, isn't it fair to assume that probably 90% of the participants and 95% of the participants at the Winter Olympics could be better curlers than the people that are there as curlers? And the same does not apply. It doesn't go the other way. Because I haven't seen a curler yet where I'm like, I bet they could go win the,
3: the uh, Super okay, G. Okay, hold up for a second. There is some skill involved, okay? Of course do there's you not, skill involved. Do you not see them basically... Um, skating in sneakers, like off okay. of one foot. Bowling the- shoes—they look no, like bowling oh, 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 oh,
2: shoes. Oh, oh, oh. They have special shoes. Here's what's going on with the shoes: they wear shoes that have silicone bottoms that stick to the ice, hmm. and then on one shoe or the other or both, depending upon what they're doing and, and how they like to do, they put a Teflon sock on that shoe. So that it's completely smooth and they can slide on it. So that would be the first thing we need to do is take that out to the ice rink and see if we can make it with one little Teflon <laughs> sleeve over our shoe. I'm they make anything. it anything.
3: I think they make it look a lot easier than you think it is. Yeah,
1: and don't you like think Drew Carey sh- should be the announcer at the Olympics for the curling? That'd Drew Carey would be the ultimate well, just, announcer. Well, he, just,
2: might be the be- he might be the best announcer out there for it. But let me, while we're talking about announcers, I got to get this off my chest. I may be the only person in America that this bothers, but I don't think it's okay to turn on American Olympic uh. coverage <laughs> and the studio host be British. I'm not cool with that. It and I so- love British people. I met my wife in England. I lived there for years. I guarantee you that if you turn on the BBC.
3: It's not an American on there. I promise you that. Well, I think it makes everything sound more intelligent in a British accent. Like yes. so, curling even sounds more intelligent with a British accent. That's how I feel. Curling, curling. Except, except for Hugh Grant's accent. I hate that guy. I hate his. There accent. goes another
2: guest. So ESPN chose Rebecca. Our ESPN, NBC chose Rebecca Lowe, who is the NBC. I think she's the environmental correspondent. And she's quite easy on the eyes, truth be told. And she's doing a, a reasonably good job. I have no complaints with, with her coverage so far. But the fact that every time I turn it on, it's a British accent introducing Americans, I'm, I'm not cool with that. Does that make me a bigot? Am I, oh. am I narrow-minded? No, no you just too...
1: forgot about the history of America. I mean, I ultimately, about the history.
2: We fought a war against those cats. Yeah, but we're,
1: we were all kind of British before everyone else came over.
2: So. I was German. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> hey, I'm
1: and the Russian. Germans and the British
2: fought wars against each other too.
1: I'm an Olympic Russian athlete, dude. Are you saying we should?
2: I've got the o-
3: with that O
2: R A. Yeah, baby. Russia. Your, your athletes can't come. Oh wait a minute, they can come. They just can't. <laughs> and bring they're your flag with them.
3: everything. Dude. So, Chris, you think we should build a wall to keep the British out? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> and I think the Mexicans should pay for it. Uh, I don't Mexicans. know how that works, man. <laughs> No, I don't. I love
2: British people. I love, I even love British food, and British food takes a beating. But shepherd's pie is one of my favorite things in the world. I lived in England, not visited, not spent a little time there. I lived there during some of my formative years. I have ties to British people, all of that holds a special place in my heart. That's where I first met my wife when we were kids. Got it. I don't want to turn on NBC and hear a British accent introducing American Olympic coverage. Hey, it's better than Bob Costas. Come on, dude! I don't believe you just said that. <laughs> How dare you I know. I miss Bob, Costas. an American institution like that. And instead of Bob Costas, we get Katie Couric and Mike Katie Tirico. Curry. Mike Tirico's not well, Mike that. Tirico's the bomb.
3: Mike yeah, Tirico's like down. The, Mike Tirico's the new Bob Costas, kind of. Well, of.
2: Mike Tirico is hanging on by a thread. Because in this day and age of whistleblowers and sexual yeah. harassment complaints, Mike Tarico <laughs> is legendary. But I He you just what. did it before it was cool, like to fire people over it. So Mike Tarico is on borrowed time. Of all the things gentlemen.
3: he's kind of sort of being accused of, of all the images of that look innocent, but if he's guilty, it's just a weird did. He looks innocent to me, <laughs> Mike Tarico. Yeah, man, Mike Tarico. The, the
2: cataloging and detailing of his exploits are legendary. Meanwhile, if you ever read a book or any of the bios from anybody at ESPN? That was Mike Tarico. He was out there in front and was the wildest guy. And Chris, you're oh, wrong. See.
1: Matt Lauer is now a BBC uh, oh.
2: news anchor. So, oh. boom, not too soon, <laughs> not too soon. And that's what I'm thinking is that they had Matt Lauer pegged. Matt Lauer got the boot, and they were like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then, of course, they send Hoda. (laughs) That's awesome. But they were like, Hoda, you can do the studio. No, 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 (laughs) no. Anybody. Uh, What's the environmental uh, correspondence girl's name? Yeah, get her in here. Hoda. Get on. Get get on out of here. Get the British. She's squeaky clean. Apparently, there's beef now because Kathy Lee Gifford didn't go to the Olympics and she's back in New York at the studios doing the show by herself. And apparently she's a little bit out of shape at, about that. And I, that hey is dude. one layer of badness that did not need to be added to the coverage. Go ahead. I just pushed the button. We're all locked in the studio now. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you on the other side. You're listening from the Cheap Seats.
1: Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins. Two American patriots trying to make Sports Talk Radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join
3: the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion. We need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now there's not a moment to lose
1: every dollar counts every day counts to find out how you can join us to defeat cancer please visit jimmyv.org
4: welcome back to from the
2: cheap seats all right welcome back to from the cheap seats i'm Chris lambert brandon atkins professor trent nichols we have been joined by diamond dave kaplan who, for whatever reason, is acting brand new and has decided he's not going to wear headphones today. Oh, I don't wear headphones. Yeah.
1: He actually hasn't for a long time when we only had three pairs.
3: I got
2: you.
1: Yeah.
3: So I got used he to does. It. He does unprotected radio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> His ears must be warmer than mine. Brandon Macken's pushing
3: the FCC gauntlet this morning <laughs> three times <Yes>.
1: already.
2: <laughs> That's pretty cool. All right. So you made the comment to me. Both of you, you really have been watching the Olympics. Yeah, I've been watching the Olympics. My wife is, she is a fan of a few things when it comes to sports. First of all, the Olympics. <coughs> That's her thing. She locks in. And the Summer Olympics, she get 28 weeks, or 28 days rather, of she's watching everything and is glued to the television. Winter Olympics, she rolls it out, she does that thing. The only other thing she's really, really into is Wimbledon. And she watches mm. Wimbledon as much as she can. I think she actually takes a sick day or two during Wimbledon. Really, but that's her. Is yeah, that still on HBO? Um, I'm going to say no. It's probably on the tennis network because every sport seems to have their own network. And I actually think there is a tennis channel. So there the is C, a tennis channel. No, I don't think channel. they, the don't the think the they do HBO anymore. Because growing
1: know. up, it was on HBO. And that was kind of the perk of being the guy in the neighborhood with HBOs. You could watch Wimbledon. Gotcha. I it, And long, taxicab confession.
2: How much Wimbledon. longer can HBO <laughs> be a thing? I mean, Netflix has got to be licking its chops thinking I, HBO. Their original,
3: the original programming, which is, you know, Netflix has theirs. This kind of the new thing, right? Well,
2: I was thinking last night as I flipped over to HBO, and there actually was a movie on yesterday that I started watching that I've had access to for ages, but it's been a bad copy. I think that's illegal. Wonder Woman? No, well, it was... Um, <laughs> That was on Where yesterday. Going? But anyway, I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, this really is the only benefit to HBO that they have left is their original programming. And they really do have some good stuff.
1: Yeah.
2: And I think it's why they're keeping Game of Thrones and stretching this as far as they can. But I'm serious when I say when Game of Thrones comes to a close— it might be the beginning of the end for HBO.
1: Westworld is pretty good. If I, you haven't watched it, I
2: have, and I don't
1: love you it. I get wanted to like it a lot. Four episodes, and it was
3: it was pretty cool. People, a lot, well, younger than us, aren't going to be able to understand how hyped you were when the HBO the letters came Absolutely. on. because oh, yeah. With that little pre production, you knew something dope was about to happen. And
2: remember the sound after the HBO logo came up? The boom. And you were like, it's
3: on. Oh, yeah. Let me get I got my popcorn. I'm ready to go. Well, you know, HBO boxing used to be huge. So, I mean, everybody would come over. Like you were saying, everybody in the neighborhood, you know, piled over to your house. But it seems like they adjust every time. Like after boxing, it was movies. (coughs) After movies, it was something else. So maybe they adjust. Maybe they do.
0: Tennis is on ESPN. The Wimbledon coverage is on
2: ESPN. That's Dave Dropping knowledge. And ESPN too. How and old were three. you when you got HBO for the first time in your house within your own four walls?
1: Man, I, I must have been three or four. Five. Oh, okay. So you guys, you we guys had it, it earlier. Early, early, early.
0: I think Dad found out how to mess with the box, but I don't think it would get HBO for whatever. I think it'd only get uh, Cinemax and
2: Showtime. Well, but Cinemax. HBO, you had know, to have Cinemax. something different with that. Gotcha. You know. Cinemax. And I bet as a 14-year-old boy, you watch lots of Cinemax. Brandon.
3: Not till about Just for the midnight. different movies. Yeah, just for the different movies. Yeah. I guess I was probably about 10 o'clock. Cinemax, uh,
1: right? Cinemax. I was Skinimax, just waiting.
3: Yeah. I was just waiting for somebody to say that. Probably 10 years old is when I got at HBO. I
2: think you? I was like 26. <laughs> I'm serious. We never Wait, had what? HBO as a kid. No. no, 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 no. We never had HBO as a kid. Yeah, we were kind of like never, a never. 13 channel house, I mean. And and by the time I graduated from high school and had my own gig and all that, I was, you know, living in army barracks and then I was overseas. When I finally came back to the states as an adult and had, you know, a good job, so, HBO was a was a staple. But no, I as a kid, I was I was the guy that was coming over to your house to watch the fight or if the movie. And the first movie I can remember being like that was Flash Gordon. When it came out, because Mm. my friend Shannon had HBO, and we must have watched watched Flash Gordon, I don't know, 20 times. that was like the
1: outsiders and fast times at Ridgemont High for me. But did you ever watch that show? Did you see the show Dream On? In the beginning of Dream On, they show this baby being plopped in front of the TV, and it showed him grow up in front of the TV. That was me. Okay. So...
2: Well, if it was me, it was not in front of a TV (coughs) specifically, or more specifically, it was in front of a sports event, because anytime I had an opportunity, that was all I watched. When I was in high school, I used to watch the West Coast games before I went to bed, because I I was a college basketball junkie. But my questions, like I said about HBO, Brandon, you started to hit on it. These young folks... They don't get what a big deal it used to be because everything's at their fingertips now. But as with uh, professional sports coverage, where they've they've got to change the model as to how it's accessible. I think HBO. I, I don't know how they salvage it because their quality of production is going to be have to be that much more or, or that much. More effective and efficient than all of the other distribution systems, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, all of which are coming up with superior self-made programs. Well,
1: HBO has HBO Go, and you can subscribe to HBO Go and have the app and watch the movies and shows anytime you want uh, on any device you want. For a lot cheaper than getting it like through Direct TV mm-hmm. or cable, or anything and they're going like an uh, to put it into
3: that because I know people who have an HBO Go account and they lend it out to about a thousand of their friends. Well, that's the
1: same with Netflix and Hulu.
3: Well, and at this
2: point, I know people that lend their Direct TV accounts with the Sunday ticket and things like that. Everybody's going to find ways to beat the system. The, the The days of me being willing to shell out one hundred and sixty five bucks for you know, these boxes that are a pain in the butt and the signal that goes away when the weather's bad or whatever the case, it, they're coming to an end. So, if you want me to consult for you, cable companies and, and cable TV providers, I'll be more than happy to do that. But Trent may be better served to do that because you've been watching HBO since you were three years old. Yeah. You got like a 20 year head start on me. <laughs> so good for you. <laughs> All right, Winter Olympics. Is it. there anything that's going to happen at the Winter Olympics that, like, is must see television for you guys?
3: I can't. Tell, I, I think I saw some. It seemed like we were getting hyped up for figure skating, and we got a bronze. I mean, it, well, that was the,
1: team figure skating. Okay, so the, the individual fig- hasn't started yeah, yet,
3: and, and that's a new
2: thing. I think last Olympics was the first time they yeah, did. This. I don't and it's remember. A, it's a ever, silly yeah. idea, and figure skating this weekend. Uh, it, it was a clear picture of why we hate you. I don't. I don't like figure skating. Well, it's probably unless you're
3: taking a. Point. I can
0: definitely watch curling.
3: Unless you're, I, I, I told these guys I was mesmerized by curly, and I'm like, oh my god, that's so cool. I think but, unless you're taking a pipe to somebody's legs, figure skating's Well, let me tell you something.
2: The the young lady from Russia, or excuse me, the Olympic athletes from Russia. She's not from Russia anymore. She's from Olympia. Um, Medvedev, I think, is her last yeah, name. Yeah, unless yeah. somebody pipes she's her good. knee, you can cancel yeah. it. That is perfection and my wife watched and was like i've never seen a routine that good ever and then she gets a score and it is the highest score of all time she's something else now i think your wife could be a judge she should be and she'd be better than the judges that are out there because in the men's long program patrick chan from canada comes out and there's this nice story about how he's been the canadian champ a gazillion times hasn't gotten an, uh, an Olympic gold, and this will be a crowning achievement if the Canadians can win the team gold because he'll finally get his gold medal and he falls twice and still wins the men's. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Mm. I'm not a judge. you got to stay on your feet. But, uh, you know, if you touch the ice with your hands a couple of times, I think you're probably a no-go. Right.
3: Hey, i got a question. When does that uh, cross-country skiing and you also get the shoot stuff? And are, they've already they're done, done, it that, done it, dude. Yeah. You missed that. Yeah, Did you see a guy uh, from
0: Norway that fell down?
2: No, I didn't see that.
3: Oh, the it was the
0: cross country is like a twenty mile deal or whatever. He gets tripped up because there, there's four hundred of them. It's like a marathon, and he was supposed to win. He gets tripped up. He's in like sixty some sixty seventh place, way behind. He comes back and wins it. Wow, <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. He, he I mean, shot
1: it, all the other
4: guys. No, no, right this is just
0: this was just. I think they called it the cross country sprint.
1: Oh. But it was like
0: twenty some miles. I mean, it took like hours, you know. And, and uh,
1: okay, to call it a sprint and then say, "Okay, only twenty miles to go." I look at That's like I'm not saying doing that this NC justice. State and Carolina is not a rivalry. Come on.
0: And by the way, Norway won first, second, and third in that. Oh, the Norwegians
2: don't play when it comes to that. <laughs> nah. And and cross country skiing is cross country skiing to me is more like exercising than sport. Um, My wife is convinced she's actually trying to talk me into booking a ski trip. Dave, you and I talked about this. Yeah, oh yeah. And I was looking for potential destinations. And my wife's whole reason for wanting to do this is that she loves watching cross-country skiing and wants to do that. Okay, so I've done cross country skiing. Yes. Oh, in, oh, of course in, you have. In,
0: ja- <laughs>
1: in Jackson Hole.
0: Now, listen, Mr. of course like, I have. Yeah. Mr. Roy it's me. actually, if you're on flat terrain, it's not that hard. Uh, the problem is going up and down
2: hills. Is, yeah, is I don't know how tough. you go up a hill with a slick surface. Well, you got to kind of. It's called know, a ski yeah. lift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I saw it get up there. <laughs>
0: anyway, the guy's name was Simon Hegstad Kruger. Uh, picked himself off the ground, came back and won. It's a thirty-kilometer event. Uh, it took sixteen. Let's see. I don't know what that means. One hour,
2: sixteen minutes, and twenty seconds. Thirty. What? What did you say? It's thirty what?
0: Fifteen miles, right? In okay, thank 30 you. Thirty kilometers. That's
2: closer to twenty
0: miles, yeah, I, I think. But well, okay. whatever. You're, anyway, yeah. so yeah, I mean, he he tripped those three of them. His pole broke. Oh, they gosh. had to come and hand him another pole. I didn't know. I guess that's okay.
2: It, the only way the story could have been better, Trent, I like yours, that he shot the other guys. <laughs> but it would have been better if he did just, like, jack somebody else's pole. Yeah, yeah. And took off. Because, you know, Norwegian, they're Vikings.
3: Dog, they don't play. I've been Kruger. skiing so hard I broke my pole. Give me that pole.
2: Now, get this. Right. The Norwegians, with the speed skating, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but the Norwegians historically have always worn red bodysuits. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you right. see that they've changed to blue
3: this year, Trent? Yes, mm-hmm. and I know why. Do you know why, Brandon. Because somebody's done a study, and they say that it's the fastest color. Blue? Norwegian scientists blue. have determined Wait. that blue is a faster color Wait. than red. You can only get that right Wait.
2: here That's right. on From the Cheap Seats. We'll see Wait. you on the other side at Cheap Seat Radio.
4: You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.
2: Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow, right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude, with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones, and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow, but what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait, communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council.
5: Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army Strong in the Army Reserve.
1: And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris
5: DeLambert and Brendan! Yes. Got money, I got fame, fast cause and
4: everything,
5: I dance, I gotta sing,
2: special thanks to Sammy Hagar, Chad Smith, Joe Satriani, and Mike Anthony for that intro. That's Chickenfoot. And Trey, you'd voiced that one, and I'm not gonna lie, you scared me a little bit there. <laughs> I'm kinda hyped. So Before we get off of the Olympic thing, there's a couple things I want to talk about. I started to talk about figure skating. Figure skating comes into the American consciousness once every four years. And we're like, God, those folks are amazingly talented. And then invariably we think, God, those judges are awful. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you guys. My kids, two of my children, one in particular, was a, a gymnast. And I'm here to tell you that anything that is judged that way, figure skating, gymnastics, whatever the case might be, the judges are useless. (laughs) And I spent years sitting at gymnastics competitions, and I don't profess to be an expert, but I know what the compulsories are supposed to look like. I know what the execution is. I could score with anybody. And I feel like I could have qualified to be a judge. (coughs) Never really considered doing that. But me and the parents and the coaches used to sit at these gymnastics meets and just shake our heads.
3: I'm surprised to hear that, that you didn't decide to take up a career being a, a figure skating judge. <laughs> Seems like a pretty good path.
0: An Olympic curling star. I
3: hadn't
2: thought about it until just now. Oh, okay. No. But, yeah, is that a full-time gig? I mean, <laughs> do you have to – How many how many tournaments or competitions would you have to judge in a year? Because there's to be some scenic places. I mean, they don't do – Figure skating just anywhere, do they?
3: It's probably pretty much year-round. Or in your case, you could just be a judgmental fan out in the stands for a couple of years (laughs) and you'll qualify.
2: That was the meanest thing you've ever said. (laughs) (laughs) My
3: point is,
2: is Uh. we watched the Canadian figure skater fall Mm. twice. And he beat the American who was flawless. And I don't need if you have to if you have to spend twenty minutes, Johnny Miller, rationalizing that to me, then
3: it's not cool. So in that case, you should pick the highest degree of difficulty on everything and not worry about hitting the ice, right? Absolutely. And that's yeah.
2: my that's what I was saying is you know, just come out there and as long as the degree of difficulty is high enough, you can you can mess it up. It doesn't matter. They give you the points anyway. Yeah. Curling, on the other hand, hey, it's indisputable. It's not subjective. That's right. I swear That's why I it, like it
3: looks That's like, like m- I dig it. magic. The first time I ever saw it, I'm like, that scrubbing doesn't do anything, and that, you start to see that stone like bend in. Oh, no, it does it. Yeah. Like it's, well, and
2: they've got that too, and they also, if you see, sometimes they they when they release. They release, and the handle goes and, and stays stationary. When they turn that handle, you got the spin, and then you go in there, and you got the little scrubbing going on. And I think the yelling probably affects the stone as well. Absolutely. Because yeah, they seem listens. to yell at the stone It listens. just as much as they yell at each other. It's just well, like, it's like you yell
0: at a golf ball. It's
3: like two pieces. Well, I was about to bring up golf. It's kind of like there's a second part. You know how you hit a golf ball, David Kaplan? It'd be like if you took your like club on the green and started like making little indentions in the green to get it rolled no. towards the hole. That's, that's not cool.
2: That's not Second cool. idea I hadn't had until Don't mess now. with the
0: greens.
3: Don't mess with the greens?
0: No, that's not cool.
3: <laughs> don't walk in somebody's line. That's uh, yeah. kind of like, uh, it's supposed to be funny, David.
0: I understand.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, when it comes to golf,
2: dude, Dave, straight Duffing business. Is funny. Let me, let me yeah. Don't, don't mess with the greens.
3: When, if he, David Kaplan lines up a putt and your shadow is anywhere in the vicinity, good Lord. Wait a
2: minute, though. Wait a minute. I've got to put Dave on blast. Because <laughs> Dave does one thing. Brandon, you have to attest. Dave does one thing in terms of golf etiquette where he is a violator constantly. <laughs> I don't know. I can't wait uh, to hear uh, this. Yeah, my Oh, my team. God. It's him talking while you're putting.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: And <laughs> incessantly. And I'm certain. Well, it's not going to
0: affect outcomes. So.
2: <laughs> and I'm certain that it's a deep seated thing that he started doing when he was a kid to distract people that were actually you know, competitive uh, with him. And it's just carried on. He's like, watch this. As long as I do it all the time, nobody thinks I'm trying to mess with him. So I'm going to do it to everybody. Hey, Chris.
3: Hey, dude, where are we going to go get a beer after we get finished here? Dude, <laughs> well, I will I say David.
1: <laughs> I
0: prog somebody I else to do the talking well, is what
3: I do. I think you'll agree with this, though. David makes golf golfing outings better though like I'm, like when I'm putt everybody knows my putt game is awful he'll say hey I need you to put it right here and just about this much on it and next thing I know I'm hitting a 30 foot putt well that's better than what he
2: does for me because I'm like hey man uh, I'm really struggling with the 5 iron <laughs> <laughs> what can you tell me hitting the 5 iron's hard yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you how many times he's told me it, it, no it my needs- favorite
0: line for you Chris is make solid contact <laughs> just make solid contact <laughs> Who
2: cares where it goes? Makes and, out. And that that's sort of my philosophy when it comes to golf. Hit it as hard as you can. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, what would well, you say is supposed to be a, it in, it's supposed to be a two to one ratio or is it a three to one? Three to one. Three yeah. to one, yeah. On the drive. What what would you on say my ratio is on the drive? Uh, well, it varies.
3: It's probably one to one, yeah.
0: but it varies. One to a half. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Which is two to one, but anyway.
3: It's quick. I don't quit. think that's there's any point. foot wedges in the room, though. Is there, Dave? Is there a <laughs> foot wedge in here?
2: I don't know. Only if you're Richard Blackwater.
3: Oh, I wasn't to And, and, and get you love call-
2: talking about the rules until it applies to yourself. Yeah, that's for you, Richard. How do you like that? So, all right. Are we done? No. One more thing with the Olympics. I got to talk about my new favorite athlete in the world, Red Gerard. Mm-hmm. Red Gerard won the first American medal at the Olympics. He was a bit of an underdog. This kid is 17 years old, five foot five, one seventeen. Soaking five wet. Five foot five, one seventeen, and he's 17 years old. What was the most significant thing you accomplished by the time you were 17, Brandon Adams? <laughs>
3: Absolutely nothing,
2: <laughs> Dave. I don't know. <laughs> Trent, anything?
1: I could drive, and I already yeah. had uh, scholarships to study my craft in New York City.
2: Oh, dude, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> excuse oh. me. Oh. 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 Wow! So they're a little five foot five,
2: dude. Hey, mm. d-
3: does everybody in the room know that Trent's a dancer?
2: I definitely did. I did not.
3: Trent Should. is is a dancer,
2: singer, thespian, quite the, the performing artist. <laughs> yeah. Actually.
0: I know he came up with a 30 minute monologue for an audition at the temple.
2: Yeah. I wrote it, it myself. That was the best part of that and whole ad-libbed thing. ad-libbed
1: half of it on stage. Yeah.
2: And I don't know if, if you're <laughs> familiar with that story. He came in, he did the monologue, and on the way out, I was like, dude, that was cool. <laughs> Where's that from? Where's that from? Oh, I just made it up.
1: <laughs> oh. and, he, and Chris was like, oh, man. I'm like, oh, is that bad? You're not supposed to make up? I didn't like anything I read on the other
2: ones. Which meant it? that he's lazy. <laughs> no. And knew very good because he is a school-trained thespian. He knew... And was like, yeah, memorizing. Nah, I'm good, I'm good. Um, so, Red Gerard. What I like most about this kid is he wins, and then in his moment of glory that <laughs> will last forever, he dropped two f bombs in five seconds, and it was awesome. It was awesome, and I I thought I heard what I heard. And then when we come back, Mike Tarico just made it worse. Yeah, Mike, he shouldn't have acknowledged it. <laughs> just because I'm on. promising you what happened when, when they came back to studio. Mike Tirico, oh, well, we we apologize for the foul language, uh, a moment of uh, excitement. Dude, he should have left it alone. See, because yeah. I didn't catch it live. I and then when I Mike, I was it. like, oh, i got to rewind there you go. this. That was what I'm saying, yep. is right. I thought right. I heard it. And I wasn't sure, I wouldn't, I, you know, everybody was yelling and there was the, the open mics and whatever. I wasn't sure that it was him. And then I hear Mike Tirico and I'm like, oh yeah, go back DVR, go back, rewound, and sure enough, there he is. What the, what the, the Olympics, dude! It was awesome.
4: It was awesome.
2: So, Trent Nichols, I have one question for you. Is there collusion among the Major League Baseball owners... Mm in this free agency period question mark
1: I, I i think they have gotten to a point which i think the nba is going to go through this summer that they're not going to be overpaying they're trying to bring it back to their their pocket
2: okay so for those of you who only follow baseball once in a while see cuz this is un this is
1: unreal how much great talent is still sitting out there to a point that Major League Baseball is saying, hey, we're going to open up a spring training for all these players to come and train that haven't been
2: signed. Excuse me? It's amazing. What? Scott Boris has been the most powerful man in baseball for a long time. Scott Boris is the super agent. Scott Boris, a former player, he's a marginal player, and as a negotiator, He has had so much of the talent pool and so much juice, he has been able to drive these salaries through the roof. Mm -hmm. And everybody else has just been sucked along in this vacuum. And the money that is being paid out in baseball is beyond anything we see anyplace else. When you look in terms of the size of a major league roster and all the infrastructure that's associated with baseball and how much money is spent on players, basketball contracts are a joke. And basketball contracts are really, really, really good. When you look at them in comparison to, say, football, baseball contracts are 100% guaranteed. You're going to collect every nickel you sign for. That's been the way forever. And these baseball players, you know, John Lester signed a couple years ago at the age of 31. For six years, $155 million with the Cubs. Well, now the Cubs are looking at that contract and they're like, "Oh, gone!" And it's across the board. And these guys want to be paid for what they have accomplished, instead of what they are going to accomplish. And people being saddled like the the quarter million dollar deal that that uh, Albert Pujols is on out in in uh, Anaheim. Baseball's had enough. And I don't think it's necessarily collusion with the, the owners getting together, but the big stars out there that are unsigned right now, Jake Arrieta is the most obvious to me. Jake Arietta has been on a nice run for a few years. Mm-hmm. Jake Arietta really wasn't very good as a young professional ball player. Something clicked and he became a star and over the last three or four years has been one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball until last year. Last year was his walk year, and he had his worst year out of the last three or four by a large margin. So at his advanced age now, why would it make any sense for somebody to give him a six-year deal? For something upwards of $150 million because his thing, when they, stated or not, has been he wants more money than Lester got.
1: And he they believe that he's on his downside, so they're not going to take the risk. J.D. Martinez is sitting there. I know. Normally, a J.D. Martinez would have been signed within the first 12 hours of free agency well, and given all the money in the world. It took Jan Darvish— Up until two days ago to get signed. He was the top rated free agent pitcher. Here's the deal to the pitchers and catchers report today to 30 teams.
3: Guys, a casual fan over here. Okay. The baseball salaries for me, I'm trying to figure out which side you're on. The baseball salaries don't feel real, they seem too high. Kind of like Dow at the 26,000 mark. Like it feels like something. The other foot's got to drop, and I'm just wondering what are your what's your take on that?
2: The, it, something has to give. Mm-hmm. The the economics of baseball, viewership is down, period, across the board. Attendance is good in the big markets, but these teams are not money factories anymore. And these teams that were it was sort of an arms race amongst these teams, but they figured out that's not the way to win championships. If you look at the teams that are competing regularly now for championships, for the most part, they're building through the draft and supplementing with these big high-dollar free agents. You can't go out and buy yourself a World Series team. We'll finish that thought on the other side. You're listening on WDCC
3: and WBLZ. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott.
4: Was just a tiny baby. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger and they locked me away for life.
5: If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
1: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of.
2: At DAV, we're on a mission. Helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
1: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education.
2: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
1: You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor
0: Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis.
4: Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats.
2: I was talking about the uh, bumper previous to that, but that right there, that's the OG bumper. You know, the one we started with, original, A little Def Leppard, undefeated. I like that. It takes me back to the to the early days when we, I don't know, were we naive? Were we any good?
3: I don't. Know. I don't know. So much to Brandon. Atkins Dude, I have breaking news. though. oh whoa, breaking news. Whoa. Dude, the top German Shepherd. I think his name's Finucci. Is pulled from Westminster show. It just no came way. across the clip. Now the, what? is this
2: the Westminster show or is this the agility? It's competition? the show? Oh my God.
3: Hmm. Everybody, what happened, Brandon? Everybody brace yourselves. I haven't gotten that far in the article.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking baseball. He's reading... Uh, yeah, so that's yeah, this that's, right, that's proof
2: positive that well, when yeah, we right. talk about how much Brandon doesn't like baseball, you really know that Well, you true. know,
3: on the flip side, all these inflated <clears throat> baseball salaries, and nobody knew that he would be the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl MVP, but Nick Foles, I think, currently has a contract that's crappy. It's a five-year deal that can expire after two. And you're talking about the highest skill position in football, mm-hmm. and these guys don't get paid anything. Well, let's let's give some context
2: to that, too, and we'll get back to baseball in a minute. But Jimmy Garoppolo signed the richest by-year contract in the history of the NFL last week. And my initial thought was, yes. And then I thought about it, and I was like, man, that's a lot of coin. But then I then when I contemplated it, I was like, you know what? San Francisco didn't have any choice because if they didn't give it to him, somebody else was going to. So good for Jimmy Garoppolo, and in a short sample size, I think you have to say he he earned the contract. But here's the thing: is his contract averages twenty seven million ish a year mm-hmm. for the next five years? Twenty seven point five. Twenty seven and a half million mm-hmm. is the average cap hit for that per season moving forward. The Philadelphia Eagles, who just won the Super Bowl, have two quarterbacks that are desirable to other teams, obviously. Carson Wentz, who is their guy, and Nick Foles, who for now is the backup. Anybody know what the combined cap hit for those two guys is for the next couple years? $14 million. (laughs) So they've got 20, what, how much space? $13.5 million Mm -hmm. of space. In addition to having a second legit quarterback they can use as a piece, that's the kind of leverage that really creates opportunities. One of the things with New England over all these years is that Tom Brady never held the Patriots hostage and was like, look, it's going to take you $50 million because Tom Brady, had he ever become a free agent, could have written his own check. But the fact that he was willing to play for a little bit less than market value gave the Pats some flexibility. And people asked, well, how were they able to sign this person? How were they able to sign that person? Part of it was because Brady wasn't killing them.
1: Brady's what in the top fifteen? He's not in the top five of paid oh, quarterbacks. Yeah. He's real low. And you know, but the great it's ones did. John Elway always did it. Peyton Manning always did it. I mean, well, if you're and, smart you know, enough.
2: Brady's in a situation, man, where they go to dinner and Giselle's like, "I got you, boo." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got you. But back to baseball, real quick, Trent. You made a you made an interesting point during the break. There is a class of free agents out here that if if you and I got our heads together and put together a squad with this team, we would be competitive in Major League Baseball next year. Mm-hmm. We've never seen anything like this. These guys are just frozen out. And Scott Boris is playing a very dangerous game of chicken with these guys because he's he's resistant to encouraging them to sign these prove-it deals where they go in some place for a year or two, play under market value, trying to get the next big deal. And he's he's trying to talk them out of taking something less than his perceived value for the contracts. Now, it's being attributed to next year's free agent class. And the thought is, well, these teams are You know, they're making sure they've got room to try to make a, a run at Bryce Harper. All the other names that are bandied about, Bryce Harper is the guy. Only one of these teams is going to get Bryce Harper. Mm-hmm. And when it's all said and done, it's probably going to be anticlimactic and he's going to end up signing with the Nationals. That's just the bottom line. But J.D. Martinez, Jake Arrieta, Eric Hosmer, the rest of these guys that are out there, I feel for them. But look, at some point, you're not going to get a whole lot of sympathy from a bunch of folks who uh, essentially pay your salary who are making 45, $55,000 a year. The money has gotten out of control. And we saw this year, you know, look at the Astros model. The Astros built that squad, and yeah, they added a piece or two, but it's all homegrown talent. The Chicago Cubs won the World Series two years ago. Now they're in a situation where they've got a short window because they've got te- guys with play- with team control for a few years. They can't go crazy spending, and look what happened last year when they went and got you know uh, Hayward, the just gigantic contract got nothing out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime. The heart of their ball club, Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant, are making relative (laughs) peanuts. Well, guess what? They're going to be free agents in a couple years. Every year that goes by, they're going to get more expensive. So at some point, those guys have got to be extended, and you're talking about monster. Monster deals to keep those guys in Chicago. The GMs that get it, get it. You said the NBA is starting to figure it out. And we'll pivot back to basketball because the NBA, I think this is the year that marks the tipping point for NBA general managers. And the reason I say that is I saw something in the lead up to the trade deadline that I didn't think I'd see. And that was with Nikola Meritich as he went from the Bulls to the Pelicans. And the trade was held up. Miritich's a nice ball player. You know, it's going to go get you 18 a night, add seven, eight, nine rebounds with it. Having a great year in Chicago. A nice piece for the Pelicans. The Pelicans made the deal and did not want to guarantee his $12.5 million option for next year. That was amazing to me. Because you've got scores of players on NBA benches making 18, 19, 20, $22 million a year for nothing.
1: Like what, Reddick, 22, remember? Yeah, Philly? Yeah, but we've talked about that. Yeah, we've That's, talked about Reddick
2: yeah. was a strategic deal. But, I mean, you got George Hill just went from Sacramento to to Cleveland, $19 million a year. Yeah. Miritich, by every measure, is a better ball player. $12.5 million, and the Pelicans were like, eh, got to be smart about this, not going to do it. Now, ultimately, they did, and they got it in there. But their hesitancy, I think, is indicative of what's going on around the league. The only team that doesn't get it is the L.A. Lakers. (laughs) And the L.A. Lakers absolutely 100% got fleeced at the trade deadline. There has never been a team in the National Basketball League that has won a championship after clearing good players on good contracts off their roster to free up cap space. The Miami experiment with Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, LeBron James – was not a strategy. They didn't get rid of good players on good deals so that they could free up the space to bring in Bosh and LeBron. It just happened that way.
1: Didn't Houston do it this past offseason?
2: Did they get rid of good players on good contracts?
3: Yeah. For a to good made, player on a good to contract.
1: to Chris Paul. Well, it was see, a sign of trade. It was a sign of oh. trade.
3: But see, I look at it a little differently. This is this latest Cavs uh, you know, trade at the trade deadline shows, again, that the front office might know what they're doing. You know, a lot of these players are getting together. You make a good point. Chris Paul, that was a trade. That was a front uh, front office deal. That wasn't, home. you know, homies getting yes. together and let's say, yeah. let's play together. That's why LeBron's wasted probably about three out of the last four years because he wanted to play with Shumpert and JR, even though JR is still there. You put these guys, the first game they play – LeBron doesn't even play in the fourth quarter because it's a blowout and it's against the Celtics. Well, it remember, my,
2: and and really, I could have used those fourth quarter points from LeBron with my NBA fantasy team. This oh, you week. got problems if you're playing fantasy <coughs>
3: basketball, man.
2: But Kobe Altman at the break, I'm I'm here to tell you, I thought we, we pronounced him dead a week ago and said the Cavs may not make the playoffs if they do their you know fifth seed at best, whatever. I'm going to tell you right now, Cavs are going to win the East, guys. The Cavs didn't have a GM this summer.
1: I so yeah, he did an amazing job. What he should have done job. in the summertime if he was there, he did at the trade deadline. Now, I disagree with the the Cavs aren't well, I don't think they're going to win the East because we don't know how they're going to gel and they only have half a season to go and they're kind of in a hole.
2: Listen, Jordan Clarkson with Kevin Love out of the lineup Jordan Clarkson's better than anybody that's been on that Cavaliers team all year. Period. Larry Nance may well be better than anybody that was on that Cavaliers team other than Kevin Love and LeBron James all year. You know, Kevin Love's like, Y'all, oh, man, I'm
3: starting to feel better.
2: You brought in You brought in a ball-handling, scoring point guard in Isaiah Thomas that was never going to work. And you've replaced him with George Hill – who can get no points a night and be perfectly happy and still be productive because he's a plus plus defender on the one or the two across the board? These are the type of players that LeBron needed around him, not Jr. Smith and and Iman Shumpert and these guys who just kind of watch. Derrick Rose gone to Sacramento and released immediately. So what but the, when?
1: Go ahead. When the Cavs don't shoot fifty three percent behind the three point line. Like they did against the Celtics. The Cavs are not going to happen. Up. They don't have a They don't have enough to beat the Celtics. Heck, they don't have enough to beat the Raptors right now, and they certainly don't have anything Trent. to beat the Golden State maybe, Warriors. Maybe not. And Trent, we will, we did you see. watch they're the not, game?
3: Not, huh? Did you watch
1: the game? They shot fifty-three percent at Sometimes the three-point that line. that I can't believe they're not the going to do it seven games in a row. The spacing,
2: the tempo, it the energy the is game. completely different than it had been. Now, can Boston or Toronto win the East? Absolutely. And they will. Cleveland One is of no those longer head will. and shoulders above because the, the, the duo of LeBron and Kevin Love doesn't have Kyrie. There's nobody they picked up that approaches that. But if you look at this trade in context now, what Cleveland basically did was gave up Kyrie and their first for the four players they got at the deadline and the Brooklyn pick. We'll talk about it more on the other side, and we gotta talk UNC hoops. Follow us to the internet if you've been listening on WBCC.
4: You're listening to Chris DeLambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.
3: You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use like anything as a ball cans, bottles, shoes.
2: Hey, bro, toss me that avocado.
5: Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your
0: license and your freedom. Underage Drinking and Driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org, brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My
5: victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
1: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of.
2: At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
1: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education.
2: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins.
1: I'm Professor Trent Nichols, coming to you from the chief seats.
2: The folks at home have no idea how much you hate that buffer.
4: <laughs> Hi, I'm Brandon
5: Atkins.
3: Welcome! Welcome to
5: Fraggle Rock! <laughs> hey,
2: the good
0: news is Trent's still on it. Y'all haven't cut him off yet.
2: <laughs> no, no, we haven't cut him off yet. He's, he, you know, he, he, it's always under discussion. We're not, we're not <laughs> actively trying to trade him, but we are taking yeah, calls. Thanks a lot, dude. I just I got fired calls. for the third week in a row. Hey, what do you uh, think
3: you know. we could get out of L.A. Yeah. for Trent? Ah,
2: yeah. Dude, you could, oh. you could definitely get anything they've got left, with the exception of Lonzo Ball. Oh my could get, god, could get him. And now, yeah, they say they're gonna play it and Lonzo together. That's gonna be great. Except yeah. that, I've been saying all along, Lonzo, Lonzo to me, would be a, a good two offensively. But he can't cover a point guard. He can't cover a shooting guard. He can't cover anybody. So he and, he and IT on the floor at one time. Oh, my God. I want to see them play Portland with Lonzo Ball and Isaiah Thomas starting against Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Ooh. Those two might combine for 170 points. Huh. Anyway. My point with the regard to the NBA is that never in the history of the league, in the salary cap era specifically, has a team had sustained success by actively getting rid of good players on good contracts to speculatively go into free agency and bring in a whole group of superstars. And at this point, that is what the Lakers have done. And they're already qualified. Well, maybe we'll do it in 19. Come on, man. LeBron may or may not go to LA. I think that the odds of him staying in Cleveland went up exponentially when he saw what the front office did when he got the hell out of their way. Because Kobe Altman, I had no confidence in Cleveland in getting anything right. And at the deadline, they bring in Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, and George Hill. And, Mar- and Michael clear... Jordan.
3: Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley. Yeah.
2: Right? <laughs> And they clear garbage contracts off of their books.
3: And L.A.'s high-fiving themselves. How much do you want to bet, Chris, you want to wager on it right now, that Magic Johnson drafts Trey Young next year? Oh, Oh, yes. Absolutely. How much do you want to bet? Help me. Yikes. Yikes. It's gonna happen oh. if they get the pick. Wow. That's how bad that Magic so Johnson bad. is. I I, I don't point know. If, I
2: don't know who's calling the shots. I don't know if it's Magic Johnson or Rob Lowe or Rob Palenka. He doesn't right, the just person, like right? Rob Lowe. <laughs> God so he looks just Rob like Rob Lowe, since he took over, as the GM and, and Magic's right hand man. Their whole focus has been we're gonna clear, you know, we're gonna clear salary cap. We're gonna clear salary cap. And at this point, they've given away when you look at LA just A year ago, you had some of the best young talent, some of the most um, exciting young players out there, and now half of it's gone. Jordan Clarkson, gone. Larry Nance, gone. D'Angelo Russell, gone. And what you got
3: in exchange
2: for it was nothing.
3: Yeah, Luke Walton's looking over the edge of a cliff. Well, that's what (laughs) I was was just going to
1: say. How long before Luke's going... God, I hope Ball is right and I get fired.
2: I hope my please. dad retires soon so I can replace him as an analyst please. for the Conference of Champions. Everybody please. else. Helps,
1: <laughs> the Conference of
2: Champions. Oh, my gosh. He's horrible. The best part about this weekend's <laughs> coverage was Jay Billis trolling <laughs> oh, Bill Walton. Yeah, he does that a great classic. Bill Walton. He does and a every great. chance he got, <laughs> the Conference of Champions. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Guys, we had, man. We pronounce UNC dead, all with the exception of you, Dave. And you were like, "Nah, they're not going to miss the tournament." Nah. Yeah, and I yeah. see that you're rocking the yeah. Carolina Kinda, Blue-ish yeah. Paisley yeah. tie. Yeah, gotcha, Brandon. You're back on the bandwagon. UNC. I listened to. I, yeah, I was
0: a delusional Tar Heel fan. I was. That was what I was called, right? Yeah. Delusional Tar. Heel. I mean, the way yeah, I like laid
3: that. it out was what they had to do to get in the tournament, and if they didn't do it, I just didn't think they would be Duke. And they right. they actually proved. I thought they, the the uh, the matchup would be in Duke's favor. They actually proved to be a well, bad matchup for the first half Duke.
0: it was of that game. It was I don't know what happened at halftime. It might have been Roy's best talk ever, but it yeah. wasn't
2: just the best talk in the second half of that game in particular. Roy Williams whooped Mike Shashevsky's behind. Yeah, he was one step ahead of Coach K the whole way, and at the end of the game, out of a desperation, maybe. Coach K puts three bigs on the floor together, and UNC was absolutely Running licking their chops the and just ran them out of the gym, and K never responded to it. Well,
3: I mean, I think Roy's a genius. He's one of the best that's ever done it. But is it really that hard to see Bagley all the way out at half, car, half court on Pinson for you to tell him, hey, Pinson, I think you can take him off the drive? <laughs> yeah,
1: I think you can get him off.
3: Well, the Well, Bagley road. was yeah.
1: hurt in the second half, and he didn't play yesterday. Oh, either. come uh, on. Yeah, look, Listen,
0: I don't want to hear look, all
2: that. The- UNC beat them in every facet, and they wanted it more. But we, we talked about Duke. We've talked about him all year. And Duke is a nice ball club. However, Duke is flawed. And Duke doesn't play great defense, and it's bitten them twice now, and they've dropped two games. Nobody, nobody looking at the schedule a little while ago would have said, "Hey, okay."
3: How big was losing uh, Luke Kennard last year to the draft? Oh, Huge. Yeah. This yeah, team would big. be amazing oh, if he was on yeah. this team. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's an point. excellent that's point that's I hadn't point.
2: considered that. And Kennard actually is now starting to get real minutes with Detroit, which is a little surprising. But he's doing exactly the same things he, he did at Duke. He's just for the Detroit. guy that
0: makes it happen. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't always look good. Heady ball player that yeah. can
2: that can make a shot, is going to play hard both ways. That would have
0: been huge. That would have been, been huge.
2: But this this Duke team, one of the things that I said would be the difference for Duke was Grayson Allen. And what you just said, well, Kennard made things happen. He would have changed spacing and all the rest of that. Grayson Allen is bad at basketball now. He should have left two years ago. Yep. Yes, And I thought this was his year for redemption, and he just always seems to be trying to do too much. And it's like, you guys, I'm tired of hearing about Bagley and Carter and Duvall. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And making plays, he still plays hard on both ends of the floor, but the decision-making is suspect. But with Roy Williams, it's funny to hear you say that. Well, Roy's one of the best that's ever done it. One of the knocks on Roy throughout his career at Kansas and at UNC has been his reluctance to call a timeout when things started going against him. Yeah, this yeah. is Emma. Yeah, yeah, it is. And during the game the other day, there actually was a child behind the Duke bench signaling for a timeout furiously <laughs> Right, as UNC was in the middle of one of the in, runs. D- in Duke garb. Yes. Duke. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Because yes. Kay will definitely call a timeout.
2: And he did not. I know. And I, I just, found that kind of And it of interesting. just got farther and farther away. And I don't know if he looked at it and was thinking, well, this is a you know, it's a learning experience. they got to get this. I don't know. But he nah. got out-coached.
3: Kay's not in that mode with this team this year. Like, Kay will – like, Roy will drop an early season game to kind of prove to his players, right. hey, you need to listen to me. Kay is more like, I want to win at all costs. He will teach his kids a lesson in short bursts but not throw a whole game. There's no way. And yeah. – You know, it makes me laugh. Roy's so good. It makes me laugh when people who are not familiar with the ACC go, what's the deal? Why is he giving play tech minutes? He's like building depth and spelling The only knock I've
0: had on him this year is I would have liked to have seen more minutes out of Brooks and Manley earlier. Right. Because I think they need that, you know, when Bagley's rolling. I mean, to do anything, just go out there and foul him. So Luke May doesn't wind up with four fouls just like that. You know, and that's the only knock I have on, but I mean, you know, whatever. You're right. That's why Playtex is getting in there. He's probably practicing hard. So
3: he's rewarding him for that. But then you never know when you're going to need him. You know. Yeah, you might run into some foul trouble, but you know, if he can just buy like say Joel Berry 3 minutes. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. And not do any damage. You don't have a
0: backup point guard, I guess seventh was trying to play, but you really don't have a backup point guard right now.
3: Right. And the and the key I stole it and told Chris I tried to pawn it off as my own idea, but I was like the key is Cam Johnson and Kenny Williams. If they're playing well, if they're hitting, they are shots, good. Yeah. They can beat anybody if those two are playing. They're the most fun team to watch. But when they're not playing well, they're the most miserable team to watch. Well,
2: right. and you said that, and there's not a whole lot of control that Roy Williams can exert over that. But to give you credit, because you've been on a roll, yeah, first. You know, you used a Ouija board, summoned demons, and agreed yeah. with the demons that Philly was going to win the Super Bowl. You talked about how that was going to happen, and it, it came to be. It just cost some soul. Well, you know, you had enough soul left to trade in because what you said about North Carolina a couple weeks ago, and you've been saying on and on, is that that offense is more effective when Theo Pinson is bringing the ball up and it runs right. through him. Yep. He's he's better able to see over the over the defense, and I think you hit it on the head in one of our conversations when you said Theo Pinson is got to be involved in the offense in some sort of way. Theo Pinson is a former North Carolina Mr. Basketball. He's a four-year contributor at UNC. He is the backbone of that team, along with Joel Berry. He's got to contribute in some form or fashion on every possession, and I think that's in his head. When he gets to initiate the possession with, hit, with the ball in his hands, I think that sort of checks the block for Theo – and then he can go out and do all of the other things that he does so well that don't necessarily involve him being a primary option in the offense.
3: Right. And I think a byproduct, a good byproduct of that, is Joel Berry kind of gets get to get loose in the offense right. early.
0: And rest him a little bit.
3: Yeah, and rest him. Like, I mean – You know, pushing the I guess pushing the ball, which he doesn't seem like he needs that much rest because he's like it's out of the basket and it's up the court, right? Um, Just like all the great Carolina uh, teams in the past. But yeah, it's two things. It's like Theo feels like he's contributed early on. He doesn't have to force anything. Him being the senior leader of the team, and. Joel Berry kind of gets to float around and try to get open, set a pick, or, you know, get open for a three-pointer.
2: Well, and I think that the the sort right. of turnaround point for this UNC team may be the Virginia game, where they went in there and, you know, just got their they just got dominated. But this UNC team to hear the players talk now, they believe. They, they, they have sort of embrace the fact that they are what they are, and it's a different attitude, it's a different energy. I don't think this is a team that's going to challenge for a national championship. I still think nationally, with people that aren't paying that close attention, they may actually be a little overrated, but the ACC is in a down year. Virginia's having a nice run. Of course, Virginia had a chance to be the number one team in the country and gacked it away. and.
3: Virginia
2: is a team, Dave, you've said before, Virginia is going to keep everybody in the game.
3: Well, Chris, right. before we get on to Virginia, the one guy Dave was talking about off the air, do you want to give Luke May some love about what he did? Yeah, so
0: he scored 33 points in 17. Most of it was in the second half. This it is w-
3: against NC State. This was against
0: okay, NC we State. Fore- on- we fast-forwarded because yeah, they,
2: they punched their ticket with the win at UNC. Right. Then they followed it up with retribution for NC State to the game they dropped earlier in the season. Yeah. And they've got uh,
0: – it's almost like there was two Lakers defenses on the court because both teams were scoring at will. It was 61 points in the second half for, for Carolina to overtake the uh, Wolfpack. Did not score uh, – missed five shots in the second half and rebounded three of them. Only didn't score on two possessions. That's incredible.
2: That's ludicrous.
0: And, and half of that was coming out of Luke May. Who came up with thirty-three rebounds and seventeen I mean thirty three points and seventeen rebounds on the game. Behind the state bench, there was uh somebody affiliated with the team that was yelling at the players, look, he's not talented. He can't jump. You can take him. Yeah, and and Theo Penson heard this and Luke May heard it. And Theo Penson was like, Oh, they messed up. And apparently there's something to the mentality of Luke May. I mean, he went
3: that off. That was
1: me behind the
0: bench.
3: In a Purdue shirt. In a Purdue shirt. He can produce offensively like that. But the game before, he sacrifices his whole game to match up with Bagley. I mean, right. Pinson and, Bagley, he him. It, and May, you know, shared time on Bagley. You're not going to stop him. You understand what I'm saying, Chris. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah. But you got a body on them. You make it hard for them. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'm just real impressed with uh, Luke Mann. Well,
1: Carolina fans, what about this joke of a thing where they put what would be the tournament if it started today? They put Carolina in the West region as the three seed. They would have to get through Purdue, Kansas, and Arizona. That's a joke. They could beat any one of those teams to get back to the Final
3: Four. I don't know. Don't don't ask uh, DeAndre Ayton about that. Because, like, that dude is foolish.
2: DeAndre Ayton is a monster. And I'm excited to see DeAndre Ayton next year in the NBA. DeAndre Ayton, America's Woke Up. Have you watched this kid play yet, Trent? No. (laughs) He's a man.
3: I have a. (laughs) He's a beast. I have a man. He's my new man crush for this week. He's a beast.
2: Now, my problem with DeAndre Ayton is he's nowhere near a finished product. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton, though, from a Raw talent (laughs) standpoint, is a Joel Embiid type big man. Now, the difference is that Joel Embiid is polished and can put the ball on the floor. He can play facing up. DeAndre Ayton is a dominant force in the middle.
1: It's a pretty fair draw, though. A good
2: chance North Carolina could get through that. Well, here's the thing. Unless you're Villanova... I'm not sold that there's anybody that's a clear number one this year at all. I, th- I think Michigan well, right State... now they have Virginia still as the I number got, one overall. I, I I get that, but Virginia anybody can beat Virginia on any given yeah, any given so, night. no doubt. So we'll talk a little bit more about it. We got uh, I don't know how long we got half an hour or so. Hang out with us. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina.
4: I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that
5: was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com.
4: Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats.
2: All right, welcome back. I'm Chris DeLambert. I, something's going on with the headphones again. I don't know what you're doing with me, Trent. But uh, ah, so you can fired. find us on, you can <laughs> find us on social media at Chief seat. seat Radio. I'm going to go Dave Kaplan and go naked here for too <laughs> long. Yeah. And you're looking at me, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, we're talking about UNC, and only three times in the history of the UNC program, Dave Kaplan tells me, has a player gone for 30 and 15. Right. Now, what's even more impressive about that to me Luke May, if I'm not mistaken, went for 33-17. and Is that correct? Correct. Correct. How many rebounds did the NC State team have in that game this weekend? 17. Luke May had as many rebounds as the entire NC State squad. That (laughs) is ridiculous.
0: Well, part of the problem why NC State was not getting too many rebounds is Carolina didn't miss. (laughs) 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 That's that's the truth. Now, I'll
2: say this, that UNC fans, yes, UNC's back. Yes, UNC is a force in the ACC. Yes, they're probably a Sweet 16 lock. Right. NC State fans don't panic. No. Because very rarely is a team going to come out and shoot 78 percent against you right. and only miss five shots and a half. And they kind
0: of feel like the Tar Heels maybe are peaking right now. Could be. I hope yeah. not? But I mean, it kind of feels like this might be the highlight. State will season. still
1: go three and one. This year and next year against UNC. Wow. Write it down. So you say they sweep mm. next year. Yep. Absolutely. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like the Absolutely. Duke rival.
0: You know, in all intents and purposes, you look at those those two teams. Duke should win both those games this With year. With the six guys but that are going to have, next year. They should have, but they're not going to. Oh. And in any given year, unless there's a true obvious difference, mm. it's not that big of a difference this year. I don't but know. It, the Carolina and Duke are going to split. I mean, it's 51 and 50. Over the last kind of game, in.
3: Go ahead. Yeah, tied, in points. tied in points. That's I
0: mean, bananas. it's stupid. It's ridiculous. It's just the way that the games go. It's just and, the way. And it you're
2: goes. right that this year, I we've said it a hundred times, and not beating it you know we're beating a dead horse at this point. But that Duke team is the most talented, maybe in the entire country, but certainly in the ACC. But when you strap them on, there's a whole lot more to it than that, and it is a rivalry game. With Trent, I like the boldness of his statement because he did say that they would go 4-0 and over the next two years. Yeah, UNC got one. Neutral floor, all things being equal. I don't know. I think NC State's got more talent right now than, than UNC does, but Kevin Keats hasn't shown that he can get the most out of it. Mm-hmm. He has made
3: strides from where Godfrey was for sure. Well, they're just a bad matchup but, with Carolina. Um, Luke Mays got over 60 points in two games. They just yeah. have no answer for that position. And NC NC State's going to be fine. Syracuse, Wake, Boston College, then they get one at home. I see at least four or five more regular season games here, uh, wins, yeah. Georgia Tech. So they'll be just fine. But I guess the game at Syracuse is a big game. Maybe they just don't let the Carolina game beat you twice is what right. I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's a good point. And I'll – I'll hold out by the time this airs, the game will have already been played, but watch the Carolina-Notre Dame game. You know what I mean? That's like, mm-hmm.
0: three, yes, three games in six days. It's
2: three days and five days. Five days, yeah. And you're talking about coming off an emotional high. So Two. either they can – Two emotional highs back to back. Roll, you know, with that This might be Oster. the biggest challenge oh, coaching right of, of Roy for now. the year right now, trying to but get maybe. him up for this game tonight. So I don't – I'm not looking for any detailed analysis, but how long is Danny Manning going to get to stay in Wake Forest? Hmm. Uh,
3: just with his name and the expectations being what they are, uh, I think he's got a couple more years at least. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean –
0: I'd give him a run. He ought to be able to recruit.
3: That's yeah, the that's be. the thing that surprised me. Is is sort of the
2: the lack of, you know, it's a it's, big time recruit and wakes one that you know just by happenstance pulls one out of the air every now and again, right? And you you know you sort of
3: it's it, basically becomes, the NC State job with zero expectations. <laughs> like so, there's no pressure, yeah. but you're still recruiting yeah. against Carolina and Duke and having to compete against them sometimes twice a year each. And Chris, you had mentioned you think the ACC has got a down year this year. Yeah, what's what do you base that info on? I, I can can I chime Go in ahead. here? I don't think
0: it's a down year. I think it's uh, there's not the top. It's not top loaded as it can be in well, some could years. It,
3: is it because we have some unfamiliar names at the top this year? Maybe. Could that have something with, to do
2: with it? No. That? When or I look at that? it, I look at Virginia, and Virginia is a very good college basketball team. I look at Duke, and Duke is a very good college basketball team that has the horses to make a run for a national championship. Other than that, I don't see anybody in the ACC that's going to push to be a Final Four team.
3: Oh, Final Four, sure. I mean, if you have two out of your conference that can push for a Final Four, that's pretty good. I mean,
2: you're talking about the ACC, which in a lot of years has a few or four or five that could conceivably make a legitimate run. Well,
0: a few weeks ago we were talking maybe ten. ACC teams in a tournament. May, I think, I think nine, it's going to be eight. I think, think it's nine. Eight, 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 eight or nine. sounds
2: right. And Brandon said nine, and I think that they will get in. But I think that this is an interesting year because more of your mid-majors and your smaller conferences, I'm honest with you guys, I wouldn't be surprised if there's only one Power Five conference that gets a team into the Final Four. Possible. I wouldn't be surprised to see your Cincinnati's and your Xavier's. I mean, this is – when you look across the spectrum – The Big Ten of the big conferences, the Big Ten's probably the best this year. When you look at the top of that with Michigan State, Purdue, Ohio State, that collection of three teams at the top of a conference, I would say is the best in the country this year. Pac-12 is garbage. Arizona's the best team out there, and Arizona is a one-man show. Kind of sounded
0: like football.
2: (laughs) Anyway, keep going. Well, I mean, the Pac-12, UCLA has fallen off a cliff. Oregon is having a horrible year. You've got – it's Arizona the out there, who is a, it's a good Arizona team. I think they're, what, 19-7, 20-something of that nature. Mm-hmm. They're okay. Then you look at the Pac-12, or the, the Big 12, rather. The Big 12, there's no world beater out there. Kansas is, a, it, Kansas is sort of where UNC's at. It's a right. good Kansas team, but it's not a Kansas, Kansas team. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about where it's a down year, and they kind of pick the same year as everybody else. I think this year of the major conferences, I do think the Big Ten's best in the country. The SEC is a mess.
3: Big Big Ten is the strongest, top heavy. Right. Agreed. Not because not because they from, don't
2: go. But but who cares about your five, six, seven, and eight? You know what I mean?
3: I mean, I mean NC State. Because there are years it. where yeah. there are years where <laughs> the NC, ACC yeah, puts NC. a whole
2: bunch of teams in, and big coattail teams come and they get knocked out in round two, and it's going to happen this year. So, yes, I would say that the bottom. But I'm not just looking at records, and I'm not look, just looking at rankings. I'm looking at eye test. I'm watching sure. these teams play.
3: Like Ohio State. yeah. Purdue, man.
2: Michigan State, Ohio mm-hmm. State. And I know UNC got them at the beginning of the year. That's not that Ohio yeah. State team now. Those teams, when I watch them play, they're just better. Now, the, the rest of the Big Ten, now you throw Indiana or anybody else in, Penn State, Nebraska, there's some good teams in there. They're about where the middle of the pack ACC teams are. But this normally, when we talk ACC hoops, we're thinking that we're going to go three or four deep, and we're talking about yeah,
3: that team gets hot. Well, the, they can the, do you know, it up. The one thing I would worry about as an NC State fan now, this information might be outdated, but I think they only have five top one hundred wins. I don't know if that's still holds true. We're talking it's about NC that many, State, right? Yeah, 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 but, but they the got some that big but, the five, but they look at that. A lot closer than you think they do. Like that—that's why Carolina was still being a four seed when they. I felt like they're about to drop out of the top twenty-five.
2: But the yeah. thing with NC State's top or their their five top one hundred wins, is they're all top twenty-five wins. No, and they've no They've got doubt. that win against Duke. They've got yeah. that win against Arizona. They're. Pl- I'm telling you, unless they collapse and go out in the first round of the ACC tournament, they're going to the dance. I just say watch it. That's I all. agree. I think they're in, and I think the fact that. Arizona for Virginia all his purposes. Virginia Tech probably in now too, possibly. That UNC's last couple couple wins helps Virginia Tech significantly. Right, but Arizona now has righted the ship. Is going to run the table out there in the Pac-12. That's a huge win for NC State. Duke, they're stumbling, but they're still Duke. NC State, I really truly believe is in. I think they're safe, but. I would. I mean, I'm not. I'm not making an argument. I just am telling you how I see the conferences as they're laid out. Mm-hmm. And I really, I think you've got the Big Ten, and then you've got all these other conferences sort of lumped together um, with a team or two at the top that you know could do nice. Even the one exception there being Pac-12. I haven't seen a team in the Pac-12 that's worth the doggone, mm-hmm. except Arizona this year. Nope. And Arizona's not world beaters. They have DeAndre Ayton in the middle, who is an animal. Yep.
3: Other than that, they're pretty ordinary. Yeah, he's going to present – I mean, guards win tournament they games. They do. So, I mean, you got to look at that from – if you're looking at Aiton as their best player, then they're probably not going to go very far. Maybe a Sweet 16 team, maybe. I mean,
2: who knows? It depends on the matchups. Right. And, you know, as long as they can get him his stuff and he's a disruptor on defense and the rest of that stuff, who knows what they'll do. But I don't look at Arizona and envision them winning a national championship. Now, who knows? We've still got, you know, a lot of ball to play. But that's what I mean when I say the ACC is down, and part of it is that UNC is not a legit top five, top six team like we're accustomed to, mm-hmm. and nobody else has slid up into that vacuum too. We've we've become accustomed to Virginia being up there near the top. Duke is doing what they do, but where's Syracuse? Yeah, Clemson. You know, Clemson. Are they hanging in there? And it may be that by the end of the season, that Clemson or Miami has moved up and established themselves, right. and you're like, oh, okay, well they're yeah. The ACC showed up at the dance. The SEC, on the other hand, is a disaster. <laughs> That's sort of been Kentucky and the Seven Dwarves for a while. Kentucky has as much talent as, as anybody in in the nation. And Kentucky, if I were an odds maker, I would not get too long on Kentucky because if they get it right and get hot at the right time, nobody can play defense on those Well, minutes. I
3: have a comment on Kentucky. But leaving the ACC, Duke will only go as far as Duvall takes them. Like, guard plays huge. Grayson Allen's game has just disappeared over the last couple of years. That's why I feel like Carolina could potentially get bounced first weekend or make a deep run. I've said that from the very beginning of the year. But Duvall was giving us problems in that matchup. And then, kind of when he, I think it was right about when he fouled out, we started to really pull away. But um, I think guard play you got to watch that, and Kentucky just stands around and watch Knox shoot.
2: All right, you're listening from the cheap seats. Crystal Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Trent Nichols, and Diamond Dave Kaplan. We'll see you on the other side at Cheap Seat Radio.
4: You're listening to Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.
1: You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show.
2: Harvey Danger right there. Mm. I like it. Paranoia, paranoia. Everybody's coming to get me. Which is apropos, since we're talking about mental disorders, (laughs) psychological disorders in this segment coming up. Brandy, you got more breaking news. First, you told us about the withdrawal from the dog show.
3: The Star yeah, German Shepherd. That's, that's crazy.
2: What was the name of the dog again?
3: I forget. Fenucci, Finucci maybe? Yeah. It was something like that. Yeah. But now we're finding out that uh, Manziel's bipolar.
2: Johnny Manziel is bipolar. Hmm. I didn't know that's what we called cocaine addiction. Hmm. I didn't know that was the same thing. Or is that different?
3: I think that they're saying things.
2: I'm sorry, officer, I had spilled
3: coke in my right. in my lap. I was good, and then I like got real excited and knocked it over. I don't know It's I don't. Know. <laughs> I'm bipolar because I don't know whether they do the coke or the heroin. <laughs> <laughs> oh God!
2: <laughs> Jesus, I'm glad we've got good insurance. <laughs> wow.
3: No, mm. we. I know we're about to go into some golf. Maybe we should hit that first before we get sidetracked. Are before. we talking about
2: – Are we, we already we, sidetracked? Which, which right? golf are we talking about first? That's what I want to know. Which golf? Yeah.
0: What do you want to talk about? The at and Pebble Beach Pro. talk now?
2: about the one that's a cokehead. Okay.
0: Well, <laughs> we might touch on that. Um, so, there, there was – we almost had a fifth <coughs> week of playoffs in a row, with exception of Ted Potter Jr. broke up that party and kind of one going away. But Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson – Jason Day and Chez Reevy finished at 1,400, and that would have been a really cool playoff if that would have happened.
2: Dustin uh, Johnson, Johnny Menzel, they hang out.
0: I maybe I know that Dustin is hangs out with Chris.
5: Uh, hey, did we make that, it off? Did we make yeah. that
3: premium that premium payment this month? Yeah, yeah come on. <laughs> hey, so when Potter hits his drive, does he yell out "Patronus"? Sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He does have a nickname, The Wizard, and it's a really cool story. Hadn't won in five years. Uh. Lefty, uh, and his, his idol was Lefty, who finished second. And uh, his dad was a groundskeeper at some golf course down in Florida and brought a golf club home when he was two years old, sawed it off, <coughs> gave it to him. He's right-handed, but he started swinging the club upside down, left-handed, plays golf left-handed. Very homemade swing. Broke his ankle after winning five years ago. Didn't know if he was ever going to get to play golf again. Battled it out. Had, like, 60 wins on these, like, two-day Hooters and mini-tour things.
1: Took two years to come back from that broken angle. Yeah, two years
0: to come back from the broken angle. Gets back out on tour. Wins. Very emotional afterwards.
1: It was a cool story. Good dude. Uh, And, uh,
0: anyway, six for six. They call him the Wizard, partly due to his name, Ted Potter Jr. But, also, he was six for six on getting up and down for pars on Sunday. And hold out on number seven. And here's really what I want to talk about. I'm watching this golf tournament, and Pebble Beach is unreal. I got to go there once, didn't I get to play? That was one of my bigger mistakes in my life. I should have brought my clubs and spent the three hundred bucks or whatever it was. But a remarkable piece of land. And you think about where they where they've been. They were just at Tory Pines, another remarkable piece of land. Out two events out in Hawaii uh, in um, Kapalua, and then down in uh, uh, on the and. Oh, and where is, uh, where's the where's the sunny played? It's at the main out Oahu, down in Oahu, and a beautiful place there as well. Kapaloo is stunning. And uh, now they're going to go down to L.A., and uh, you're going to have a really big event here. Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth played pretty well this weekend. He'll be playing. Lefty thinks he can win it. He loves the course in L.A. And here's a question for you. 1992, Tiger Woods. Hmm. Played his first event. I think he was 16 years old. Where did he play it? Riviera. Yeah, Riviera. Right. And that's where they're playing this week. So He we... won't
1: make the cut. No.
0: <laughs> I think he's going to make the Trent, cut. Trent. Trent. Trent, Pess- Trent. just likes to say stuff. Trent's
3: pessimism during <laughs> yeah. this course of this show. See – Speaking I thought of, I thought Roy Williams, Williams
0: is never going to beat the Wolfpack again. Williams Tiger Woods is never making a cut
3: again. Delamberts on the keto diet. I'm juicing. I'm on a juice diet right now. What's your excuse? Why are you so grumpy all of a sudden? <laughs>
2: <laughs> he got wing sauce in his eyes. I'm just man. keeping it real. Keeping Salty. It real. So real. I, I do have a question. Talking about making yeah. the cut, and we we we've been sort of predicting where Tiger was going to finish. I'm a. I'm, a, I'm a, Are we taking predictions right now? Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go with seventh. Ooh, I like it.
0: I like top ten. I don't I'm going to take
1: the under though. I'm saying fifteenth. All right, 7th, 15th. what a up? second. He
0: was missing the cut. No, no I, I was like joking. it. You're getting better. I was Are impressed you? by
1: Tiger Woods' first round. I'm a believer. He's going to come back. 15th. Okay, cool, cool. He doesn't like Riviera though, by the way. He's traditionally not very good there. Okay, go bye. ahead, Brandon. Where you I'm just guessing. Yeah. Top five. Top five, I like wow, it. Wow, beautiful. I think
0: Lefty's going to win. I, think I like the world I liked what I saw this if weekend. T-
1: if he finish in the top five, I think just like the Cleveland Cav blow up this last week, I think the world will end. Tiger Woods would be it,
3: everywhere. If he is oh, okay. in contention, yeah. b- whole businesses will close. You know right. what I mean? Like if he – that's. I really do want to see it at least one more time. When he yep. came
1: back after the first day, if you looked and checked on the golf tournament on ESPN's app – Every single article for about oh, yeah. three yeah. pages was all about Tiger. The world yeah. will end. <laughs>
2: all right, so as you know, we're at Libations every Wednesday hosting trivia. Mm-hmm. Dave, you have inspired a topic for this week. Okay. Wednesday at 6 o'clock on Valentine's Day. We will be doing it. And I think it's a good Valentine's Day category. And, and talking about – you really like just inspired this because I was like, what am I going to tease? I'm going to tease – Great American vacation spots. You were go. talking about the golf course yeah. and how scenic they were so great American vacation spots. Is your tease? Yeah, Riviera so is another listening to the show, be scenic there six, great golf course. Yeah, days. six o'clock on Wednesday Valentine's Day, and we polled folks and said, "Hey, do you really want to do this?" And I'm telling you, if we don't turn out a crowd, we're gonna have a fight. Hey, because <laughs> I'm I'll, not. It's,
0: it's Ash, Ash Wednesday too with my wife. What's that? It's Ash Wednesday too. I didn't oh. realize. So, Valentine's hey, Day and Ash Wednesday. All you, you, fellas, you better hit the Valentine's All players.
3: you fellas out there, when Chris asked about Valentine's Day, I heard a lot of single ladies raise their I saw them raise their hands. So, you need to come out and take advantage of that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. Hey, one more, th- one more thing on golf. we got to give Larry Fitzgerald some win. Yep. Yes. Pro-Am, it's not your usual Wednesday Pro-Am and it's gone. They play the whole weekend if they make the cut. Kevin Strillman – and Larry Fitzgerald won it 41 under, won by like eight strokes. The That's first a cool time
1: class. a professional athlete has won that Pro-Am since? Hold on.
2: Gretzky? Mm, let me think. Let me think. Let me think.
1: Gretzky's he's Three out. seconds. Go ahead. 1988, or not 1988, but uh, Dan Marino. Oh, oh Dan yeah. Marino. Oh, yeah. Gosh. It okay. might have been 1988. I didn't want to misquote, but the first at professional athlete to win that. Since Dan Marino. Wow.
2: Nice. Now, I have a question for you. Clint Eastwood was on the broadcast. That's
0: funny. He can barely talk. He can barely get noise out. He's
2: 117 years uh-huh. old. Has Larry Fitzgerald ever been near the top of the leaderboard before in one of these pro-ams?
0: I, not that I know. That. I've never, I'm I thinking he got a heck he of a handicap.
2: Him. It might have yeah, been.
1: Yeah, I was happened. surprised Romo never competed for the win because Romo's a heck well, of a golfer. He, here's well, the problem, problem
2: is it. that one's a handicapped – so you get somebody that's oh, out there a little yeah. bit of sandbagger gets out there and has a good day. Yeah. Now when you play it straight up, Romo, Romo's nice. There's some other professional athletes. John Smoltz is one. Yes. Now. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, Larry Fitzgerald, man, that's How about that's, that? that's pretty yeah. wild. That's pretty cool. He was Speaking excited of- too.
3: Speaking of beautiful courses, Dave, you're a pretty confident golfer. Have you ever played one that's made you nervous? Like, example, I played number 2 before and mm. I feel like the whole world's watching me, like and I suck, but I get nervous. Have you ever been intimidated by a course that you've played? There's definitely some holes that
0: intimidate you. Yeah, you know, you're like, where am I going to hit it? I just I don't even know where I can hit it here. Yeah, you know, right. but I don't know about a course as a whole.
1: See, I had trouble the first time playing out on the uh, outer banks. Is uh, after a few holes dealing with the wind coming off yeah. the ocean, I lost my confidence. I'm like, dude, I have no idea. There's, you know, I would no, aim out into the ocean, and it wouldn't blow back. And I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, but then you. when you I'm, aim straight, and it right. blows, yeah, you know that there's one was course, the hardest golf I've ever played.
0: Mount Pleasant, uh, Charleston. You know, just north of Charleston. There's course card Patriots point and it looks out over the bay and over charleston downtown the 17th hole is like 130 140 yard par three you get a wedge on it or nine iron on a normal day we would go and play like when a tropical storm's getting ready to blow in (laughs) (laughs) you would hit like a three wood and sometimes it just would go and it never would land and sometimes it would just shoot straight up in there and it would go like 80 yards you know it's amazing Uh, So that was a cool hole. It's a very small green. It can be very – with no wind, it's not that bad. But uh, pretty much an island green. And with with a strong wind, whether it's crosswind or dead in your face, very intimidating. Yeah.
2: I'm with Trent. I played Gaylord Springs in Nashville, which is one of the nicer courses I've ever played. And I was really excited about the opportunity to go out. And we showed up, and it was like 45-degree – 45-mile-an-hour winds. It was (laughs) freezing cold. And the group I was in, we – Regular golfers, when well, I don't think anybody shot less than about 115, it was horrible, <laughs> and we were ready to leave by the time we got to nine. You, I mean, you know, you were hit, shooting shots that were basically back up in your face. Um, not a great time, and, no. and only, I,
0: the only place that's cool would be like at St. Andrews or something, yeah. No, that would be awesome, yeah, you because know, you're like, oh, it's yeah, the wind's got to blow here. You know? I do,
2: I do think that we that was a milestone because I think up until today, we had gone the longest stretch in show history without Brandon dropping a number two uh when I played Excuse the Pro Am down there at number two. <laughs> oh remember? It's been <laughs> that was sort of a wow. running wow. for a while and now he, he dropped yeah, it that's in right. there. It's well, been. I played number two in the Pro Am now. No, I'm just playing with it's it. has been like five ah. months, Brandon. That's it, just it had been a while. I had forgotten about it. So, and he have must too. have sensed
3: that. I'm just saying there shouldn't have been a long pause after you said I dropped a number two. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I I I didn't know where he was going with that. You need to
3: add a little context
1: quicker. Yeah, Chris, that was crappy radio. Oh, Oh, my
2: gosh. (laughs) Awful. So, we're looking ahead, and the NCAA tournament's sort of shaking itself out. We've kind of determined, if you're looking at the ACC – Virginia or Dukes, probably your best most likely team to make a run. Who's coming from the outside that, that's not on the national radar right now? Who what'd you got, Trent? Anybody jump into your mind? I I yeah. love when he does that. <sighs> Oh, what a, what I'm just cra- trying to buy time, question. to crappy. be honest with you. That is a communications uh, mechanism there where you're trying to yeah. collect your thoughts. Repeat I mean, the question back is the, is the better way when you're on radio. Listen, I think St. John's,
1: ha. with their last couple of wins, they beat Villanova and Duke. I mean, maybe that was it. Maybe that was their championship. There's a little sneaky team out there that you know could get to the Sweet 16. On the smallest, one of the smaller states in the uh, United States, or Rhode Island is really not that bad of a team.
2: URI is nice.
1: So that's kind of where I was kind of thinking. I didn't really want to okay. put that out there yet, but Rhode Island wouldn't surprise me getting into the uh, Elite Eight. Hmm. Dave Kaplan.
0: Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't get well, much. Well fair out. enough. I don't get enough <laughs> <much> out of <basically. laughs> Can, I, I like can you actually contribute
2: I mean, anything that's of use to the program? Well what I was gonna say is is
0: this isn't really out on the fringe, but I really like Clemson. I think they're a good ball club.
2: See, I like Miami better than I like Clemson.
0: I like Miami too, but I, I like Clemson. Okay. I I like the balance.
2: All right, I can dig that. And uh Brandon, who I th- you got?
3: Well, I, there's something, obviously, in the water in Cincinnati. Yes. I think Cincinnati right. and know, Xavier yeah. being good, five combined losses. Yes. This close to the end of the season, I think the, both of those teams are team to, teams to watch.
2: I like both teams. I like UC better. The Bearcats are always going to play hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Cincinnati's got a nice program going up there. I like Cincinnati a lot. I really do. And you kind of stole my thunder because oh, that's I'm where sorry. I was going. Um i I don't, don't know. What's can up? I give
3: you your thunder back?
1: Don't sleep on Tennessee. <laughs> I love Rick Barnes. What he's done with that team,
2: which is amazing, because he was nothing. He was no good at all at Texas. Yeah, well, Rick Barnes was the guy that kind of always had him on the
3: fringe. And he had just a good team with there.
1: Durant that one year. Yeah, there are other right. than that, but I think I like what he's put together with hey, Tennessee.
3: You gotta be careful bringing up Rick Barnes' name with Carolina guys no, no. in the house because he's about the fighting only, words right there. Yeah, he uh, basically tried to step to Dean Smith one time. And Dean almost had to punch him out. Right? He was gonna
2: fight. He was literally gonna fight Dean Smith. Well, that would have been fun. So <laughs> here's crazy. here's the next question here. St. John's. This is a team that right now is thirteen and thirteen. They obviously are playing good basketball. Got two huge wins. What would they have to get to as a thirteen loss team? How many how many losses could they afford? and still have a legitimate shot at making the tournament. I'll give you guys the break to look that up and think about it, but Chris Mullen, the only guy rocking the same haircut for 30 years.
1: <laughs> You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Quiero
0: todos. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through
4: shelter, we empower. Visit habitat.org to donate today.
1: My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all i got to say about that.
4: Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats.
2: All right, I don't think they know this, but this next segment... The final segment of the day is brought to you by Boulder Canyon Authentic Foods. And we we have our our, um, our resident intern, AB, who is, uh, she does all kinds of cool stuff for us. And for some reason decided that today would be a good day to bring by some potato chips. And I guess this is inspired by the whole uh, Oreo thing. Ugh. Oh. <laughs> Dude. So what we've got here is two Boulder Canyon special offerings. And the first one is turkey and gravy.
3: Oh, I love how the bag says reminiscent of Thanksgiving. The turkey main... and
2: gravy. And is anybody that you know knows I'm me well gonna, knows? Oh yeah, you are I'm
3: not partaking. I'm are on you a strict, serious? I'm serious. I'm You keep
2: this thing afloat while Trent and I crunch some potato chips.
3: Okay, well, y'all work on that. Your last question before the break is, does St. John's have a chance? And I'm going to give you a resounding no. They do not have a chance. They'd have to win the last six, um, five, which is doable, but that would give them 18 wins. And so there's zero chance unless they win their tournament, which means they have to beat either Xavier or Villanova. So not going to happen. How about that? How is the turkey gravy treating you? You know, bizarrely good. Yeah.
2: Initially, I thought that doesn't taste anything like turkey and gravy, but it does, and it's not terrible. Now, for that was bizarre.
1: It's a uh, it
2: does taste like turkey gravy.
1: Yeah. It, initially, it tasted like what stuffing kind of smells like,
2: you All know. Right. But
1: it's very light. It's almost. It's like it's barely seasoned sour cream and chive potato chips. And then it kind of has that turkey-ish aftertaste. And Anna,
2: where did these come from? Super 10?
1: Uh,
2: big Lots. Big Lots. Big okay. Lots. Big Lots, even better. And I see they were originally $2. <laughs> now they're dollar. I like it. Half price. I love Big Lots. The next one's a little scarier. All right, so we've had dinner now. Yeah. We've had Dessert. dinner. And I'm going to need Brandon to once again keep us afloat. I know you oh, had shoot, compelling news about St. John's. Those are scary, dude. <laughs> but this <laughs> the one analysis. is. So they're trying the this is pumpkin pie flavor
3: potato chips.
1: Oh, and it smells like pumpkin pie.
3: Hey, oh, did does. y'all pick up on the molasses and the turkey and gravy? No.
2: No. Yeah,
3: no. Just, just guessing. I mean, I mean, it's in the ingredients. How bad are they, Trent? Trent's laughing like it's the worst thing he's ever stuck in his mouth.
1: No, it's freaking
3: pumpkin pie, dude.
2: Great <laughs> pumpkin pie.
1: Yeah. There is no is, doubt about it.
3: Is there a hint of cool whip? Oh, Chris threw one of the chips <laughs> back in the
2: bag. That is um that is not what you expect when you get from when you when you bite into a potato chip. It does taste just like pumpkin pie though. It's like somebody, I don't even think it's artificially flavored. I think what happened is they made a bunch of pumpkin pie. And mashed it up. See? And dried it and turned it into the flavoring. Because it does. It tastes exactly like pumpkin pie.
1: That one wins to me because it tastes like it's advertised. The other one was a little weak, but that one is pumpkin pie. Well, and what's bizarre
2: is that pumpkin pie and sweet potato pie taste an awful lot like to me. Yeah. However, that didn't taste like sweet potato pie, it tasted like pumpkin pie.
3: There you go. See, Nedge was right. There's no mashed potatoes on this bag.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess it's just she, turkey she's and always gravy. right, dude.
3: Just turkey and gravy.
2: All right, so Boulder Canyon Authentic Foods. I don't know if you'd call that an endorsement, but it, it definitely is truth in advertising. You know what would because be cool? both of those chips tasted like S- they said they were Speaking
3: going to. Speaking of mashed potatoes, it'd be a cool if they had a potato-flavored chip. Think about it.
1: Oh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't even I don't even know where you how your brain works. I don't get it. <laughs> Speaking of which, I don't know if you guys know. I, Trent, I know you don't know. I don't think I've told you this. uh Oh. So this weekend, other than watching a lot of Winter Olympics, I went and took the LSAT this weekend. What? And I fancy myself a fairly intelligent guy. Hmm. Woo. Let me tell you something. First of all, I'm a 46 year old man. I rolled up in to take this thing, and there were 120 or so people there to take it at NC State. There wasn't anybody anywhere near as old as I was. (laughs) (laughs) And we rolled up in there, and I forgot. I don't like school. (laughs) Okay, so go back a minute. Yeah. You took the LSAT. I did. What is that? Oh, it's the test to get into law school. Okay. It's part of your law school admission process. Okay. I'm going, I've decided that I'm going to become an attorney and I'm just going to sue all the other radio (laughs) shows in the state and put them out of business.
3: Oh, oh great. That's what I'm going to do. So this is what it means, Trent. As he's learning law, we got to hear about the law. He's like, oh, don't do that. That's five to 10. Like, I mean, every other. Wait a minute. How would that be any different than most of the weekends you and I spend together? No,
2: I don't do that. That's five to 10 in some states. But actually, do the you law, really think
3: the law states that? Do you think uh, I can I'll just, be that guy?
2: Yeah. I mean, I could be. I don't know, Trent. What do you think? Oh, he's got. To, yeah, he's back into the pumpkin pie and chips, ladies and gentlemen. Chris, you have so many applications
1: from this show out there. Like you're the voice of the XNFL. You're an Olympic ice skating judge. Now you're a lawyer. He's a
4: cu- this this curler. Guy,
3: He's a curler. My I'm sitting with
1: Old Man Potter, who owns all of Sanford, and his right hand man that runs all of Sanford by law, by judge, by military.
2: Is he just glossed you,
3: Old Man Potter? <laughs> you know that, that was skit, awesome. That skit that used to be on In Living Color about the Jamaicans having all the jobs. That's Chris. See, my youngest <laughs> daughter the other day.
2: Jobs. I hadn't told her that I was going to take this and she called me and she was like, so what's going on? What are you doing? And I told her and she laughed and she said, you know, I tell my friends that, <laughs> that my dad is Barbie. Oh okay. yeah. Ooh, baby. Cause Barbie's done everything. Ah. And she's like, most of their parents, you know, spent 20, has spent 20 years doing this or whatever. See, I done... idolize
1: you, man, cause oh, I'm, geez. I've been stuck as a restaurant manager for 22 years. You know, never get out of the box, but here you are with a bunch of 20-year-old kids taking the LSAT. If
2: you are looking for advice as to things to do and things to do next, don't do anything that involves taking the LSAT. I've never been physically exhausted from doing something mental. So kudos to anybody that's ever taken that and passed it. I think I did okay. How do you prepare for that uh, test? How do I prepare for how it? How did you? I opened a study guide about uh, 9 o'clock the night before and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and read some stuff. I, I was familiar with how the test is administered, and most of it is sort of reading comprehension and logic. So there's not a great deal of study. Now, that said... My wife's oldest oldest child, her daughter, just got accepted to West Virginia to law school. And I called her, and she kind of knows me well enough to know that I wasn't going to do a whole lot of preparation for something like that. The way I look at it, if I can do it, I can do it. If I can't, you know, I'll find something else. But she told me, you know, it's recommended that you study for 200 hours.
3: Oh, my God. And
2: I was like, wow.
3: Uh, uh, I had it minus the 197 hours. <laughs> well, see, here's <laughs> but, the, thing. Know, that's the thing. I had about...
2: motivation that nobody else has though, because I'm certain that I passed only because I was supremely motivated to not have to hear my wife fuss at me about not preparing more.
1: Oh, That's true. That's because good, every day
2: for the last month and a half since I scheduled the test, she's like, you're going to get in that book tonight? Mm, not really. Now, the one person in the world that was like, study, was my mom. <laughs> I love you, mom. Oh, well, that's And so I funny. told her, I said, you know, I'm going to take this thing and Nedges into me because I'm not studying. She's like, study? Come on. Now, I think she had kind of, my mom, she wasn't really up to exactly when I was going to take it. It wasn't a, a running dialogue with us. But I did talk to her this weekend and told her that I'd taken it. And you know what she said? Huh. I'll wait to see what you scored. And then I think I'll go take it
3: (laughs) because that's how we do. Well, I know how these tests, I know why they're in place, but it's funny. Like they're kind of silly at the end of things because I have a a friend of mine who's like a really good attorney in Durham. And I've heard from multiple people that he's just one of the best at what he does. And I'm like, man, well, how do you do that? And he goes, Google. (laughs) 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 He goes, I just Google that. And you know, I'm, I'm in commercial real estate, y'all know that. But, uh, you know, I'm a broker in charge for a property management firm. And I guarantee you, all these new cats that just got their license know about 10 times more than I do. A lot of the information doesn't even apply. Um, And if you're the North Carolina Real Estate Commission, don't listen to the show, please. But, it's amazing all the stuff they shove in your brain and the small percentage that you actually utilize.
1: Well, so now do you have to go to law school once you pass the test? What does that mean? You have to. I,
2: in theory, you can actually take the bar without going to law school, but I'm not gonna do that. Yes, oh, I am I intending I am intending to apply for law school over the course of the next few I, my wife is gonna kill me for saying that. She's like, you always make these announcements. I had no Harvard. plan for doing this. He's going to Harvard, Brandon. But yeah, I do intend to do that, and if, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. But <laughs> I don't believe this just happened. I'm never going to hear the end of it. Anyway, what I wanted to say about Nedge, my mother. This would
1: be a good chance to not listen to the last segment of the show. I I'm like
3: going to need to be radio. my own divorce attorney at
2: some point, <laughs> so now I have to
4: go.
3: I've seen this movie. It's called Caveman Lawyer. <laughs> Caveman Lawyer, well,
2: too. I was gonna say, I wasn't gonna mess with Mr. Potter over here, but he did. He the only thing he knows about real estate: buy low, sell high. That's, hey, it. What else good, do you that's need all to you have to, have to know, theory. right?
1: Dude, he he's gonna be like Joe Pesci in the uh what's the movie of my cousin, my cousin vinny. vinny that's my, he's my new lawyer i'm well I'm i didn't on realize until right recently now.
2: i didn't realize until recently that law school actually involves a lot of reading and research oh well. i thought that what would happen is i'd show up on campus and we'd watch a few good men and my cousin vinny and we'd be spun off out in the world <laughs> to go practice law that made perfect sense
1: oh I mean, and Philadelphia's on there too oh,
2: oh yeah for sure philadelphia yeah.
3: And yep. every t- now, every time Chris walks in the room, we got to hear, boom, boom, like <laughs> Law and Order. All right, remember this week's trivia category,
2: American Vacation Spots. Thanks for hanging out. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio.
4: You're listening to Chris DeLambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.